0: Welcome back to System Trivia, the podcast where we have a meltdown and it's serious. This is Brent. I'm a sophisticated linguini,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I have
1: no response to that. <laughs> <laughs> I win the podcast. I won. Uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Uh, I beat you guys. You
0: I, I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware <laughs> we were holding a contest. Although sometimes we do. Yeah, we, we do. do. That Speaking, one time. Yeah, speaking never of, well, no, 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 we will. Nobody but, entered. Well, yeah, we had one guy and he won. Yeah, we had one yeah. guy enter and he won.
2: That was perfect.
0: Granted, by default, you know, because he was the only one that entered, but he also did provide all the correct answers. Yeah. So, speaking of, by the way, if he is listening, I still haven't received the Hope tickets. And if someone who works Hope staff is listening, you need to get your shit together. Hey, later. yo,
2: oh, because we need our shit, man. I ordered
0: the tickets a while back, and they're Digital tickets. Like, like five days ago? I don't know what the holdup is here. No, no, I ordered the tickets back in like October. It was. Maybe November. It was before the shit show. I know, I know, I know when you did it. It was the first round of tickets whenever that was. Yeah, I know when you did
2: it. I I was just kidding.
0: It's been a while.
1: It's similar to the. Okay, wait, wait. wait.
0: Never mind, go ahead. what
1: Well, I thought of something recently.
0: Like, just a bit of it. Everybody run. Yeah, so
1: here's the thing. Our website at the top of it says Linux, loggers and Late Nights. Yes. But almost none of us drink beer anymore. So I was thinking that we should change it to Linux Libations and Late Nights.
0: Oh, I was going to say Linux Liquor and Late night, but I like Libations because, because then it, it covers both.
1: Yeah, right. Like we've got options, alcoholic options.
0: Yeah. That's, so, that's...
1: I, I mean, I would really be curious to hear what anyone's thoughts are on that change because that's going to do a lot of stuff.
0: Does this mean we now need to rebrand? Although, I like... I don't know. Libations just sounds clumsy for a motto.
2: I don't like it. Oh. I like Linux, loggers and Late Nights. That's what I like.
1: Clumsy perfect. or classy?
0: Well, if you can... I would Libations go with, are
1: classy. If you go to a party, there's some fucking libations. You're no, having a
0: good time. No, 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 no. Hear me out, j So, Linux and Late Nights are both two syllables. Lager is two syllables. And, you know, I'll start with L, granted. That's obvious. The alliteration's obvious. Now libations is three syllables all right i have a solution as an example linux liquor and late nights works linux loggers and late night works linux libations and late night just kind of throws the rhythm out the window
1: all right so we just make up a shorthand for it and we call it basions (laughs) (laughs) linux basions and late nights
0: well then we lose the
1: l well alliteration isn't that good anyway it it is alliteration is the best thing ever. ever But What's also basians, <laughs> master, basians, master, J-mon? yeah, master, you know, like America, Merca, libations, basians.
0: I no, I hate the word basians. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs>
0: Never say it again in my presence ever I, again. I can't wait for
1: hope. We're gonna have some basians. I'm gonna talk, talk about basians for like an hour on Statler. That is don't, all I'm gonna talk about when I'm there. Matt is my masturbations? No, just basians. Uh, They're different.
0: Don't talk to me or my sons ever don't again. Don't talk to me or my bations ever again. <laughs> don't yeah. Don't don't bation my me or my sons ever again. I will bation oh,
2: all over this place. And you'll like it. Oh.
0: Okay. Weird. So oh, I
2: had thought weird. of something
1: else too <laughs> what though. The fuck, dude? Yes. But I'm not sure if I can remember it. <laughs> Let me see. Let me see if I can remember. Uh huh. Mm. Nope. Not coming to me right now. If it comes to me later, I'll bring it up.
0: Oh okay. I don't watch them come up, like, in the middle of, like, something really Oh, I'm sure really, well. it Good, and, too. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Milos. And just make everyone else lose their train of thought. Right, yeah. Way to go, Jay right. Good job. So, anyways, for this episode, we've got some points that we missed in our serious discussion points in the previous episode that we need to retouch upon. Retouch? Namely, touch upon again. Retouch, yes. As in, we've touched upon them in the previous episode, and now we are... Touching are them, we using yeah, the we
2: same really kind of paint it. that we used previously, or are we using another version <laughs> no, no, no. that's been mixed and we're not sure if
0: it'll work out no, no, just right? No, R-E touch, not R-E I, I know, I know.
2: I'm teasing. You. Go ahead. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes.
0: So, we'll be talking somewhat briefly, both further in detail about mentoring, and also about choosing an Enterprise distro, because we didn't really go a whole lot in, in depth there. We did not. And we, we kind of got that. off on a tangent about clear we did. or...
2: We did. And as someone who uses an enterprise distro daily, uh-huh. yeah, I'd like to put a little more input into that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. You know, I would just like to say... Oh, Lord, uh, uh, no, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. Good. Okay. All right. <laughs> right what in- are you drinking? <laughs> no, not Hayden, yet. i not done. He's not done. You're done now. Oh, my God. He's not.
0: So, beyond that, we also have our long put-off rant about the independent package managers, right? Mm-hmm. And then, mm. after that... If we get to it, we're going to talk about just why the AMD vulnerabilities were so actually—we're were actually a thing to, to worry we'll about. We'll get to
1: it. Be Hopefully. <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll might,
0: be fine. Might be a long episode, though. Yeah, if not, we'll talk about that next time.
1: Yeah. This is yeah. good. I, honestly, I'm very comfortable with us having, like, overflowing topics because—
0: Because it gives something to, to look forward to next yeah, time. Yeah, and it's better
1: yeah. than not having enough topics. Which True, where we, we just, did run into last had. year. You know, <laughs> yeah, a bit.
0: A bit. Definitely. Uh, a bitch? We've definitely what? Had cases like that. A bit. A, a bit. Bitch. He's doing a bit again. Oh, okay. a, oh bit. a bit. Now, we can finally ask the question, what are you guys drinking? Hayden,
1: go.
2: Uh, I have three bottles of Miller Lite, and I fully intend on finishing all three of those.
0: Fuck yeah.
1: <laughs> I love Miller Lite. It's like the best fucking beer. Yeah, we,
0: we know you have terrible taste in beer. j yeah, what are you drinking? I,
1: I, don't shit on Payton like that. We're shitting on... Not no, shitting on you, actually. I make you... But, you, know, I you can yeah. shit on Payton for other reasons, but not because of Miller Lite. <laughs> just no. as long
2: as you put it in a bowl, it's not a big deal, okay? <laughs> so you
1: eat your Cheerios with it? No. Jesus Christ, you're so... fucking. Oh, God. All right, anyway. Oh. So I... I wow. am drinking Stranahan's. Wow. Okay, tried and true classic
0: for me. Shit. I am drinking Jefferson's Reserve. N- Jefferson's Reserve. Last time I think. Or yeah, the last time, before. time. And the time I, before. I and also before. have no. And the time before. No. Previously, it was. It wasn't Jefferson's. I don't think it was something else. I rotate between the bourbons. You know, I, I take the usually it's bourbon though.
1: You're the slowest rotator I've ever met.
0: Oh, I can well, spin around so much faster than you. That's because I have giant bottles of these things, Jathan. Just for that. At Hope 2018, I'm going to make you chug an entire bottle of whiskey. Oh, my God. That will literally put me in the hospital. No,
2: no. I'm going to put a stop to that right now. I really, (laughs) really do not want to have to carry his drunk, dead ass anywhere to get his stomach pumped. So,
1: no. Okay. (laughs) No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Half a bottle. You have to realize Half a bottle. If I were going to ask you to carry me anywhere, I'll give you one guess. One guess where you were going to carry me. The Taco Bell? The gutter. No, Taco Bell. Oh. How did I know that okay. and you didn't? Know I was, him? I was wrong. Yeah, how could you even not guess that first? You fuck. Do you even know me?
2: Uh, your name is <laughs> I...
0: <laughs> what?
1: Slim Shady. Yeah, there you
2: we work go. at <laughs> a spaghetti factory, it. and your knees are heavy. <laughs>
0: Arms spaghetti. Arm spaghetti. spaghetti. That's it. We can't get the already. Okay.
2: Okay. Do you open your mouth, but the words won't come out. <laughs> I think
0: we've reached that point. Everybody's yeah. crying now. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. But in addition to my <laughs> bourbon, I'm also, I also have a giant bottle of water next to me and some chai. So I'm mixing it up because I'm, I've been really getting into chai lately. Been drinking a lot, so. Thank you for that. that do you was... like the choice? <laughs> I do like choices. You know? I like having choices. Uh, uh,
1: do you like... <laughs> yes? Do you like the chai soylent is what I was trying to
0: say? I haven't had it. I wasn't But the was I just chai said, soylent. What? That was I one of my worried. samples. Really? Yeah, it's good. I wonder if it's discontinued. No. I'll have, to, I'll have to check it out. I bought some. Fair enough. I do like chai and I do like soylent, so I'll have to... Well... The thing is, I hated the Nectar soilin, and now it's discontinued, and for good reason. Be thankful you never had to taste that, j because it was terrible. Yeah. It tasted like pollen. That's it was, a lot it was
1: gross. of stuff. A lot of stuff does that.
0: Yeah, but it was super gross. Yeah.
1: Anyways. Yeah, let's just get into this, because this is going to take <laughs> yeah, a while. Let's...
0: let's get into it. Payton, you want to take us into the news? Hey!
2: Yeah, sure, absolutely. This is Payton with the News. We have quite a bit today to talk about. It's not as much as last time, but there's still some really interesting things going on this uh, this past couple weeks here first we have uh, is that google could owe oracle about 8.8 billion dollars due to a contention between oracle and google about the use of java apis so oracle is stating that google went too far and used too many apis to develop android so anyway they went back to court to appeal the decision ...by a federal judge in 2016 that said that Google was fine. They are back from an appeals court. The appeals court said that uh, it's possible that Google did actually, uh, you know, mm-hmm. violate the copyright. The APIs that Oracle provides are freely available for use in building applications for both computers and mobile devices... ...but mm-hmm. they are not free to competitors or to be embedded in an electronic device. Now... That's why there's some contention here is because the wording there is, is very interesting. If you can use it to build an application, why can you not embed it, you know? Yeah. The three-judge panel ruled that regardless of Android being free, it still does not make the use of the APIs as non-commercial. Android has generated around $42 billion from advertising alone. Google claims that it used only a minuscule percentage, just enough to enable programmers to write the applications, and as I said a federal judge signed with Google in 2016. This could eventually go to the Supreme Court. Google could come back and say, hey, can you guys reconsider this ruling? You know, they could also, you know, appeal the loss and take it to the Supreme Court. Uh, like I said, the Supreme Court did decline to review it in 2014, which the federal circuit said the APIs were entitled to copyright protection. So uh, this will be an interesting fight to watch. Oracle obviously is, you know, people some people just absolutely despise them.
0: Now, this has been going on for a long time, 2010? though. 2010? Right? It's, it's been... Yeah, yeah I was going to say, yeah. like, years. 2010? Yeah, I, so. I, I thought it was, like... It's been almost, like, 10 yeah. years. And then I thought, like, there's no no way. There's no way it can well, be done. Well, the big
2: issue go, is but. that it's, it's a huge argument in the fair use policy.
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, because it's freely available, mm-hmm. you know, why not? But apparently... It's not really freely available and whatever.
0: Yeah. It's like, here it is. It's free. There are some stipulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see this having an impact even on things like code snippets from Stack Overflow oh, listen, and stuff,
2: though. Uh, listen, just wait for Oracle to win this, and then all of a sudden you're going to be like, oh, you want to use my code? That'll be five bucks. You know? Mm. I, I could see it happening. It may not,
0: but... Well, I meant more so is a... A sort of setting an example where you know you pull like a function someone yeah. wrote on a Stack overflow answer and then you include it in even in like open source code it's still a different license than fair use code and you can't you know you can't apply an open source code of your own on someone else's it, you know it doesn't work like that so i i have my my doubts and and questions so do i you know about this so do i, so I it, I can see it being potentially impactful.
2: yeah, yeah, I mean, it's this is this is a big deal. Oracle wins this. It could open the door to a lot of different, a lot of different lawsuits, just in general. Yeah, so next we have we had meltdown, inspector, you know hit, but now we have total meltdown. If you run a win seven box, there was a meltdown patch in January. obviously. this stops meltdown, but it opens another security hole that allows any process to read complete memory contents. At mm. gigabytes per second. And it's possible to write to arbitrary memory.
0: <laughs> Th- so wait, this is only on Windows 7? This is
2: only on Windows 7. Thank okay. God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But
2: uh, there are no exploits needed. Windows 7 is already oh already has the exploits in place. It's just a matter of reading or writing to an already mapped M process virtual memory. So basically what happened was if somebody wrote the pit the, the fix. Mm-hmm. you have the user supervisor bit well it was set to user in the PML4 self referencing referencing entry this then opens up the page table to use user all oh, it uses opens up the page table to user mode code in every process now normally the page mm-hmm. table is only accessible by the kernel of course PML4 is the base of the four level in memory page table that the CPU MMO, MMU uses the pml4 is fixed to a specific address this is why this is a big deal if you mm. know the address which is the same for everyone then you know you can just get right in there oh shit it only affects windows 7 64-bit systems with the 201801 or 201802 patches if you have the december 2017 patch or the march 2018 patch you are fixed you are safe it was mm. discovered patch tuesday march
3: 2018
2: oh and 2008 r2 is vulnerable as well why are you using 2008 r2 I don't know, but
0: I digress. <laughs> oh. oh my god! Yeah. So right.
2: fix your patch your shit. Uh, we say that every time someone does something like this. Patch your shit. Yeah. The next news we have is that Facebook has been in the news recently. I don't know. Do you guys use Facebook at all?
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we pretty much we everyone uses. Tried Facebook it once. At this point. Tried it. So. Alright. What <laughs> do you tried it to? No. You know what? I'm not. No. Sorry. Keep going. I'm not gonna let. <laughs> yeah, stop derailing this goddamn. God god. god. You fucking. Shit. No,
1: it's Brent. He's a derailleur. <laughs> no, no, you belong on no, no. the back of a bicycle, my friend. You're a derailleur. <laughs> oh
0: my god. Excuse Pew Okay. Excuse so, me. So they're on the side of. the bicycle. Yeah, they're not in the
2: back. They're on the side. On the chain. There, Depends. GMO. Okay. So Depends. this has been bicycle administration trivia. <laughs> Okay, so Facebook, if you guys have been living under a rock, Facebook has been scraping call and SMS data from Android users for years. Mm. Well, first they denied it. They said, no, 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 we're not doing that. Then, well, of course they admitted it because they got caught in that lie. And then they said that, well, you guys agreed to this when you signed up for Facebook. Basically, if you use Facebook Messenger as an SMS client or Android, you agreed to the call and SMS tracking. This was discovered by Cambridge Analytica... Whistleblower, A whistleblower that came forward and gave details about how Facebook used the data to target ads for Donald Trump. Currently, their stock is going down. Who cares about it? So, yeah, stop using Facebook. Come on. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: In the next bit of news, we have the safe place that is Skype. Microsoft has banned offensive language from Skype. In a new update to the Microsoft Services Agreement, they ban offensive language and fraudulent activity. Now, Brent, remind me, fraudulent activity is illegal, correct?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm okay, fairly right. certain just, on that. Just, yeah.
2: just, check it. just check it. Well, if you're caught, you could be banned from Xbox services, gold memberships, any credits that you have, etc. Fraudulent or banned activity is content like nudity, mm-hmm. bestiality, mm-hmm. pornography, mm-hmm. offensive language, mm-hmm. graphic violence, or the best one, criminal activity. Now, you know, have you ever
1: Skyped your girlfriend and had a little sexy time on there? No. That would that be bad. Actually, no. Actually. That's weird anyway. It is. Don't do that. It, so strike is
0: a little bit weird. But I I I recognize people are out there that, that do it. I never have. But also I knew that Skype was not the most privacy centric platform ever. So
2: Well, first of all, it's Microsoft, so and it
0: is now owned by Microsoft, so know. it's even worse. Yeah. Yeah. So You know Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say
1: I'm curious like are they doing some kind of screening to find these things, or is it reliant I was, upon I was someone getting to reporting?
2: That. Yeah, yeah. I was getting to that. Yeah, okay. So, to determine if there should be a ban, Microsoft will investigate. This means that they will listen and or watch your Skype calls.
0: Which is uh, not uh, creepy at all.
1: So, yeah, probably just don't use that anymore. Yeah. What the fuck?
2: Now, this could be in relation to FOSTA, which makes websites criminally responsible for any content they have that's mm. uh, related to sex trafficking or prostitution or what have you yeah so stop using skype for your illicit activity use signal use tor
1: <laughs>
0: exactly <laughs> but real talk you can use you can use talks which uh, t-o-x uh, i'll get in the show notes it's an open source alternative to skype it's decentralized but and it let's is... also
2: say this we are not condoning activity right. of, of any sort of sort right like but that. we
0: are i would say we're All probably privacy advocates in this. Yes.
2: Yes. As far as privacy is concerned, use whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Don't use Skype.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So if you're a fan of Reddit, the recently passed FOSTA Mm FOSTA is a bill intended to help states and victims fight online sex traffickers. This sounds like a great idea, right? In theory, yeah. Well it caused the personal section personal section of Craigslist. Sorry, Jethon, you can't find a date anymore to close and Reddit preemptively banned dozens of subreddits mm-hmm. it removes or changes section 230 of the communications act of 1934 basically it was never intended to provide legal protection to websites that unlawfully promote and facilitate prostitution and or that advertise the sale of unlawful sex acts again an unlawful sex act is illegal right mm-hmm.
0: right yes I, it section, feels this is this is basically just yeah. a bill saying it's, it's more, illegal to it's do, do illegal things
2: well here's the problem Section 230 does limit the legal liability of interactive computer service providers. Mm. However, the new amendment adds a new section that imposes penalties, a fine or prison up to 10 years or both, Jeez. on a person who owns, manages, or operates an interactive computer service to promote or facilitate the prostitution of another person
0: and or unlawful sex act. See, I, that so is...
2: they just made it a felony at this point now.
0: Yeah, I think that's bullshit. Yeah, positive. well, well I, so I here's the thing, here's the because... thing. Because... There's a difference between running a platform... With a general purpose that is abused for these services, right? And exactly. Versus you know a platform like findasexslave or some shit. Is that a real domain? <sighs> did I accidentally? I, 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 who, who knows? Did I? Accidentally I am not NS looking it
2: up because I don't want to. You know, right? Yeah, exactly. You
0: don't want it, to. That'd be get that weird. kind of attention. Did you say dot com? I said dot com. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I. Well, we wait for Jason to do I, an NS I mean, lookup. I mean,
1: realistically, it does not seem to be a real domain. I would okay. really hope not.
2: The gentleman who reported this actually posted it on the R-Microsoft subreddit, Mm -hmm. and he was banned for doing so.
0: For mentioning that the bill was passed?
2: Yeah, let me get down to it here. He's banned from Reddit's R-Microsoft for sharing the story. So
0: Why? uh, I I don't
2: know. They said it was spam.
0: Reddit's fucking... Reddit is starting to get really dumb. Yeah, it's been on a decline for a long time. Well...
2: You know, it's the special snowflakes who were like, "This offense, man, we should get rid of that." Yeah, you
0: know? yeah. Ever since that started, it's it's just been going down. Yeah, happen. but like, okay, so I understand and I agree with the premise. Yes, I like sure, sure I mean, slavery of any kind is bad. You know, whether it be right. sexual or labor or whatever. Yeah, it's always bad. I think we could all agree on this. Hopefully, right. otherwise, you know, you're not maybe the best person. But <laughs> yeah, just casually put <laughs> that in there. But this has well it criminalizes they, this yeah activity. yeah um, well i mean slavery was already criminalized but now we sure. now we're at the point where site operators even if they run one of those general sites like i, I talked about before like reddit you know where it's just a general discussion forum right and you don't really have the resources to monitor every single fucking well, post on your on your platform right
2: yeah i mean uh, like imager imager has images of all sorts if you know the right link to them mm-hmm. you could find anything you want yeah you know there was that whole face uh, front page thing where the front page was showing regular pictures and not ones that were submitted you know oh, wow. there was yeah so i think realistically while i i applaud you know the government for doing for passing this law i think it's short-sighted and i think it's going in the wrong direction yeah you know
0: yeah i, I don't, agree with that
2: don't punish the guys who host the site punish the guys who found Using the site
0: and how do how do like DMs and and PMs and stuff play into this like direct messages? See, I
2: don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's a long bill. I don't think they even. Yeah, I'll you have know, to I'll have to read that. I don't know if that. I'll
0: have it re- read in, in its entirety in time for the show notes, but well, I'll definitely link to it. And
2: I will say this much: if we've got somebody out there who can read it and maybe interpret it a little bit better for us, OS be writer your input. OS
0: writer, OS, OS writer, writer,
2: if right. you hear this, please uh, take a gander and let us know, man. Yeah. So that's just a giant fuck you to people who run websites. You know. Mm. Next, we have Google is working with the police. Obviously, this is no surprise, but the story is actually really interesting. Raleigh police, in two separate cases about a year and a half apart, asked Google to provide not just suspect data, but all data for anyone in a 17-acre area in one instance, and in the other instance asked for user data across dozens of apartment units in a particular complex. The Raleigh PD submitted the warrants for all information so that they could get this data. They requested the data from all mobile devices using that were using a location-enabled Google app. So it wasn't just Android devices. It was also iPads and iPhones and w- Windows phones if they had a location-enabled Google application. They only got anonymized account numbers with no content included. So they weren't like reading through your emails or something like that. The Raleigh PD spokesperson that was mentioned in the article indicated that Google may have also supplied further, further information as required. So they didn't necessarily give all the information, but they did give them information. Now, since recent years, they give seventy-five to 80,000 user, uh, user information, user, uh, information about users every six months. And as of January 2017, they did update their transparency report, and they've produced data about 65% of the time that has been asked to do so. Now, they don't publicly disclose the information that they give to the data to the government mm-hmm. and other authorities, so...
0: So you don't um, know what they're actually giving right? Order, you know. And
2: in sometimes, some instances, that may be a court order that says you can't identify, you know, mm-hmm. not to identify the individuals. Which is, you know, helpful because some people actually watch the court sites for any sort of public records and mm-hmm. look for oh, their names in. or whatever yeah. and then, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, if you don't want to be tracked, leave yourself a behind.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. So the last news article we have, this is a real whopper of a doozy here. You remember how Shaw One has been pretty much banned from the internet at this point? Well, apparently
0: banned, but should be probably. Yeah, it's
1: been mostly discarded. It's it's broken.
0: Yes, it is broken. We, I I can. Well,
1: you can still use like a pretty large fuck ton of iterations and get away with it. Sure, and a lot of people still do. Sure,
2: but we're gonna get to that. So Firefox Mm -hmm. has a master password ability, which encrypts the password database. For the past nine mm-hmm. years, however, they have used an ins- insufficiently strong encryption for the master password feature. Obviously, without the master password set, the browser stored passwords locally in clear text, leaving them vulnerable to malware and other entities. The right. master password encryption uses a low SHA-1 iteration count. The iteration count is set to one, meaning it's applied <laughs> just once. <laughs> now, this was reported <laughs> nine years ago by a gentleman called Justin Dulski. I apologize for assuming your gender, Justin. It was brought up again recently by Wadimir who is an author of the Adblock Plus extension. Mm. After bringing the issue up, Mozilla responded, suggesting that the issue would be fixed with the launch of Lockbox, which is available as an extension.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Wow, so they're going to ditch their built-in functionality for a plug-in uh, I don't or even, an extension? I don't
0: think they even talked about ditch, like removing the master password component. I think they're talking about like, yeah, we know it sucks. We don't really give a shit. Here's an extension right. that tries to do it better.
2: Right. You know? Now, LastPass uses values of 100,000.
0: Mm-hmm. The
2: industry pack practice regards 10,000 as a solid minimum.
0: So they're still, using
2: one iteration.
0: I'm still confused as to why it's using SHA at all. I, I because it's it's a hash. It's not an encryption algorithm, you know. So right. like how
2: Whatever. Plant says that Mozilla engineers would employ should employ the Argon2 library for hashing passwords instead of SHA1. Why
0: won't they just SHA512? I, I don't. Know. Or use a SHA3. Y- you know, I, I have mean, questions. I have so many questions. We should go to Mozilla and be like, "Look, bitches, we'll write your shit for you." Okay. <laughs> no, no. Have you have you ever wait. looked at Firefox's source? Wait, wait Oh, that's terrible. There is still a random salt involved.
2: Yeah, they do. Yeah. They do salt, but still, I mean, it's it's an iteration of one. I mean, you could brute force that in like five minutes with a sufficiently powered file. Cloud cloud. I don't. Yeah.
0: I don't, well, maybe. Maybe. But less. It's not like it's the the just shot one remote. stuff. Wasn't really brute force. It was finding collisions. Sure. The point is, you could use something that isn't even the original the date, the original data, but you know, still, I don't. You get what I'm saying? Like you could you could spoof it. Basically, it doesn't have to be the actual source. Right.
2: Right. Exactly. And that's paid in the news.
0: <laughs> there we go So first let's jump right into mentoring Because we're already at 30 minutes into the raw And we want to have enough time to just Blow our brains yeah. out over this Let's, independent let's, let's get mentoring done nonsense. because
1: No, I'm not blowing my brains out
0: I, It's a figure speech, Jathan, calm down I, Plan, plan Okay <laughs> Okay, but you said you were trying to remember something earlier. Did you remember what it was? I did remember what it was. What is it? No, nope. did you forget again? I just wanted to. I wanted to recommend that every person who listens to our
1: podcast regularly pick your favorite episode mm. and then go listen to it at
0: point six five <laughs> x speed. Okay. Yeah. Great. Because it's yeah. hilarious. What does it does nothing, but he. I I wanted to make sure he had a chance to say what he remembered. Can we
2: just mark him down as off-topic and give him like a demerit <laughs> for being off-topic? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. All right, mentoring. So there are three main topics I feel were neglected in the previous episode. Yeah, those are how to find a mentor, how to find an apprentice, and why you should be doing both always. So, at the same time. So
2: realistically, and I, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't mean to. No, too go jump, ahead. Into jump, these jump right in. Jump in. If you go to interview somewhere. A lot of times you're replacing someone who is a senior person or, you know, you're, you might be interviewing for a junior position, but then that senior person is then tasked with another duty. You're not able to fully stay with them and learn all aspects of the job.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Realistically, I agree with you from the last episode, realistically, an IT team should be at minimum two people, you know, a master and apprentice, so to speak. Yep. Somebody who knows everything or nearly everything about the the company, and then the junior guy who's learning and who's there watching every step. I don't know if you guys read the Tales from Tech Support subreddit at all, but there's, Once a, in a, while. there's yeah. a user or a, a submitter there that I read, like to read. His name is Selban, S E L B E N. And mm-hmm. he has some, some fantastic stories. But when he was pretty new in his career, he was pulled into work for a guy named that he titled Soda. And, you know, the guy challenged him. And so. He would ask, like, they will go on site and he would ask him questions about why he thinks the, there's a problem here or what, what he thinks the issue is with this particular site. And I really feel like a mentor, a good mentor, is going to challenge you to be able to think on your feet and come up with solutions. And, and then when you're wrong, to say, no, you're an idiot. Here's why. I don't expect necessarily expect a mentor to hold your hand all the time, you know. So,
1: well, in my opinion, a good mentor shouldn't hold your hand, but instead should sufficiently beat you into submission so you know where to find
0: solutions. <laughs>
1: Jaython, in your case, it's
0: Google. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking I've, I've from experience, the, the Google sometimes it times. takes
1: a couple of not one iterations, <laughs> a couple, a couple of smacks.
0: <laughs> no, it, that works. <laughs> That works, like I said last time, that works with you and I's dynamic, but it doesn't work for everyone. No, but I mean, in any case, like, if I were going to be
1: mentoring someone tomorrow, Mm -hmm. you know what the first thing I would probably give them is? What? I'd give them the pink book. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Because 90% of the questions they ask me for, I mean, maybe forever, I don't know, 90% of the questions they ask me, I'll be able to say it's in the pink book. And that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that I shouldn't help them to understand a concept or whatever. Well. But honestly... And I had asked Brent this question a little while ago, a couple weeks ago, Mm -hmm. is like, you know, I'm trying to hire somebody right now to work for me. And, you know, one of the things that I don't really know how to get from somebody in a brief interview is like, how do I know that this person knows how to find an answer to something without having to come ask me every time?
2: Well, yeah. that's and that's something you can do in the interview process if there's a technical aspect. But I get what you're saying of. that it's it's hard to really gauge someone's responses to that. Oh, I would just Google it. Well, okay, but how would you Google it? You know, like what are yeah. your terms that you will search for? Or what modifiers would you put on it?
1: You know, not just that, but I mean, saying you're going to Google it versus actually finding a solution because you right. know there's some yeah things... like like ask them what Google
0: search term would yeah. you use? Yeah, well, you know, I like would do
2: Google.com and then I would go. <laughs> How do I add a user and Postfix?
0: Oh, that's, that's <laughs> weak Google food. You gotta you gotta do double uh-huh. quote, add user close quote
1: Postfix. Right, exactly. Well, you also yep. have to specify if you're using MySQL. Right,
0: exactly. Again, well, it would it would come up in those results, but yeah, yeah. yeah probably, I mean, that would yeah, really exactly. Yeah. So that and and technically, that'd be Dovecot more than Postfix. Postfix, true. Really, yeah, it doesn't really have users. Yeah. My, well, so, I mean, the, it, it the does, point is, but it, it's, it, it doesn't handle the right. authentication But, but here's anyway, the thing.
1: Moving on. I think yes. another part of it is, like, there are some people that I have worked with in the past. Mm-hmm. If
0: I were working
1: in the same room with them, it just became a default. If they had a question, they just asked it out loud. So, yeah. And I think that's uh, – it go two ways about it. I mean, one, if the resource is there, that's fine. And if it's, like, a quick question, the person definitely knows, that's fine. But at the same time, mm. you know, asking somebody is almost always easier than finding the answer yourself or struggling through
0: something. But it also means you don't learn it for the You
1: don't time. learn it. You don't have to grok the documentation or anything like that. And more importantly, it makes you dependent on that other person. Yeah. You could work in a room with some, you know, master Linux guru for 18 years and every time you have a question you ask them all of a sudden it looks like you know everything but for 18 years you've been asking this person all these questions all of a sudden they have a heart attack they're dead you literally have no productivity
0: <laughs> or or they just leave the company or retire no they're dead <laughs> they're so, fucking dead so this doesn't necess- necessitate the urgency of the hit by a bus right. clause but well it could though to, but it's to, relevant to, it to tie
2: relevant. into Jathan's comment i mean realistically mm-hmm. you should not have you should not be told every time did you Google that first? Mm. Like there are aspects of our job that sometimes you can Google it and you just have no fucking clue what the hell you're seeing in the Google results. And so you have to say, Hey, look, man, I've Googled this. Can you just give me an idea of what I'm looking for here?
0: I've linked to it before, but the ESR's right, exactly. guide to asking good questions is amazing yeah, yeah. for this. It gives you a great, like, okay, first I should do this. If it's not there, like, you know, I should check the project's documentation. If it's not there, did I check the RFC for the protocol? Did I, you know, it, it gives you a really good summary of like things to run down to. And then like, finally, all right, it's time to pull in the guru on this.
2: Well, I think if you're spending an hour Googling something well, two hours and it's a, supposed to be a quick fix, then I think maybe, you know.
0: I would say like two minutes Googling. And if it starts to go across, like past that, start looking at the actual product's documentation. If it's. Five ten minutes into that, and you're still not finding it. Look for an RFC for the protocol related, or you know, the sure. related scheme, or or what have you. And then you yeah, know, well, like like you want to scale the time appropriately. Don't spend an entire hour just googling. But more to the point, what I wanted to talk about was how do we actually identify these people? Like, how do you find a guru? How do you know that they're a guru? See, that's well, that's the big thing. You just you looked like some fucking dirty
1: linux guy
0: on the (laughs) internet and i was like he's got to be a guru (laughs) you're not wrong but uh, i wasn't i didn't look that dirty back then i think i just had long hair it wasn't dreadlocked or anything but yeah i don't think it's so much what they look like j thought it's more so (laughs) (laughs) yeah i identify gurus and i tend to be more autodidactic so i don't really have a guru i just tend to read the documentation myself because I, i enjoy doing that but I think you can find a guru, I should say, by looking for people who contribute a lot. Look, look like, and this is, like, one of the things I'll grant GitHub is it. it's a more social aspect of coding. It's like social media with code. And you can easily... Yeah, that's a good way yeah, to put And it. you can easily look at the things people have been writing and if, you know, they're interesting projects and there's stuff that, like, nobody has done before and they fulfill a, a purpose that nobody else has written and they're not just some fucking rehab... Jaython, what was it that we saw who, like, re-implemented LS in, like, what was it, Node.js? Oh, what was that called? I don't remember, but yeah, 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 that was absolutely bananas. I don't want to give him any publicity, because it was ridiculous. Don't trust people like that. Those are people who are just toying around. They don't, like, there's no point to that. It's Now I want to find it. <laughs> well, do it later. But, like, look for people who write interesting stuff, who are... Who have given talks on topics, who have... I feel like... Even written books. Okay, but here's the thing
1: also is I think you're sort of overlooking some really obvious things, too. What's that? Like, I found you through the Ubuntu Pennsylvania local community team.
0: Wasn't even using Ubuntu at the time. No,
1: well, I know, but go to a local meetup or, like, an IRC Mm -hmm. channel that represents some local group. Or go to, you know, your local Linux user group, whatever, because... Absolutely. people who yeah. take the time to go to those types of events tend to be not always I mean they're open to everybody and I think that's part of the point but there will definitely be people at those events and leading those events who are very passionate about Linux in this example
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. My point in mentioning this guy on, on Reddit was that he didn't mm-hmm. like walk into the job expecting to get a, expecting to get a mentor like he just applied yeah. for a job and he was yeah. hired and then the guy took him under his wing and he was like you know hey come on I'm going to show you all the steps. And even when they were both fired, he got him a job with them, and then they went around. and mm-hmm. I mean, so sometimes a mentor falls in your lap, literally.
0: Sometimes. Usually, that, I think that's another mm-hmm. good indication of finding a good mentor, is they will also trying to be find you. You know, like they'll take you under their wing. Yeah,
2: right, exactly.
0: So, and that brings me to my next point, how to find an apprentice. That one, I think, is a little bit trickier, because it's... The... You're, yeah. There's no actual, like, expertise you can look at and determine, you know, like, and determine competency from it. Because the point is they're coming from a point of incompetency, and you your goal is to get them to a point of compet- competency, or greatness, you know, ideally. Yeah. But I think the, the number one deciding factor for finding an apprentice, man, I don't know, I, I guess it would have to be just passion and personality at that point. Well, they have to want to learn. And, you know... So curiosity, I You guess. may just find yeah, yourself right. in the presence of a sort
1: of guru who acts as a mentor to you, and it's okay to latch onto that, uh-huh. you know, as much as that person allows you to. You might just take a job and right. all of a sudden realize, you know, the person who's running your department or the company or whatever is capable of mentoring you in some capacities, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah, right. Like, you don't exactly. necessarily have to go looking for this opportunity. It may find you, or you'll find it. Yeah, yeah.
2: And also, I mean, sometimes, you know, you may... Start a job and realize that you, you need a mentor and mentors like, OK, yeah, I got you, you know, whatever. But I mean, sometimes you just sometimes you get up with a bad mentor, you know, mm-hmm. someone who's who doesn't care about you and takes the credit for everything you do and, and whatnot. And that's not a good thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not <laughs> that's not ideal. So I think for the guru looking for an apprentice, it's going to be more about that finding somebody you can just fucking put up with as, yeah. as terrible as that sounds like just, you know, someone who wants to learn the stuff and, and not just quote unquote needs to learn it. There's a big difference. In you that. think I want to learn? Yes. You should <laughs> yes. want to learn. You would not do half the projects you do if it, if it were not the case. And then thirdly, why you should be doing both. Why you should be mentoring and practicing. I am guilty of not doing this. I'll preface that because I, I tend to be more of a self learner. And I do learn by teaching, you know, so it, it helps me out to teach, but I guess that's a form of apprenticeship too, but I, it's apprenticeship to yourself well, maybe, but my point is you should always continually be learning. And I guarantee there will always be someone who knows more than you about something, about yeah. everything.
2: I, I mean, one of the best things of proving that you know something is going and trying to teach it to somebody. And if you could teach it very I mean, well, or if you could teach it at all, and you can explain it simply, then you know that subject matter and you're, you know, you're good there. One of the best things you can do is after learning something is teaching it, you know. I'm a firm believer in, you know, not keeping knowledge to yourself, so to speak, you know. Mm -hmm. So if you have the opportunity to say, hey, I want to take you under my wing and teach about this. If you could find somebody who will do that, great, do it. You know,
1: let's get it done. Well, and it's also the simple fact that to truly teach somebody something and teach them well, you have to know it inside and out. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think one of the best parts of my job is when I get to sit or stand or, you know, whatever, in front of a room full of researchers and take something that I use for IT purposes, like Git, and teach them Mm -hmm. how to use it for, you know, some of them are managing actual code, you know, bioinformatics pipelines and stuff like that. But there are now people who are using it to manage like their lab notebook, a revision controlled lab notebook in text files. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't have to know about what they were actually doing to teach them that. I just had to find a practical, useful example of using Git that taught them enough information, and they've adapted it to their own use. And right. I think that's fucking awesome.
2: That's that's great. I mean, seriously, that's mm-hmm. phenomenal. You know?
0: Yeah. And on a more overarching note, and I think this will be the last I have to say on this particular topic, unless um, someone else says something that <laughs> makes me think of something else, but... My final point is basically, on like a meta level, sort of, this helps keep tech alive. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. we, we've we got systems out there that are, nobody knows anything about them. Like, find me a guy who knows how to run a VMS, you know, VAC system or something, or Minix even. You know, like, find me a guy who still knows how to run one of those, and I will be extremely impressed. Because they're dying yeah. out. Granted, the tech itself is super old, but there are still infrastructure out there that run on it. So when that person is gone, or they retire, or they're, you know, hit by a bus, or they have a heart attack, or whatever, you know, like, there's nobody to take care of that system. And that means, like, an, uh, that can bring down an entire industry yeah, overnight. Definitely. I mean, granted, if they're that much of a leader in the industry, I would hope that they have some sort of contingency in place. But, yeah. you know, there is a sort of responsibility to further the education in a more general sense, I would say, on a societal level. So... That's, I think that's my closing remark. And do you guys have any closing thoughts? I think
1: I'm in a pretty good place with regards to this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm pretty young yet to really have had a a mentee, which apparently is a fucking word, by the way.
2: It is indeed. It is indeed, Jathan.
1: But I mean, I really do... My favorite part of my job most of the time, I'd say, and why I love working in academia, is everybody around me is constantly trying to learn. And when they come to me and they want to learn more about you know, using the compute cluster more efficiently or somebody wants to convert their their workflow into a true pipeline or they want to learn about MPI so they can utilize more of the compute cluster at one time, mm-hmm. those teaching opportunities, I would say, are the best parts of my job. So, you know, I definitely am looking forward to having somebody to mentor at some point in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I also think I owe it to somebody at this point. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's a good way of paying back all of the mentorship that you have taken. Well, you've
1: also fucked me emotionally, but...
0: <laughs> I've done no such thing. I cry myself to, to sleep
1: most nights because of you.
0: <laughs> you absolutely That's do not do that. what she said?
1: She should just break up with you.
0: <laughs> oh my <Yeah>. gosh. like <laughs> got dark yeah, real quick. Yeah, moving on. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> So, RainDev, actually, in our IRC channel. Thanks, RainDev, by the way. Yes, thank you. He said... He, he or said she? He said he wouldn't... She, they, whatever. let not
2: be assuming genders now. Come on.
0: Gendered, non-binary, they, whatever. They mentioned to us that we didn't really spend a whole lot of time talking about what actually makes a good enterprise distro and how you choose that and how you find it. Sure. And... Valid point. Valid point. We, we I guess. spent most of the time talking about Clear OS <laughs> or Clear Linux, not Clear OS. Yeah. We talked about Clear OS, but we originally were talking about Clear Linux. There was a whole fucking. Just see the show notes for S3E2 or whatever if you need more <laughs> story about that. But it is a good question and it is something to think about. And, and I briefly mentioned like two characteristics I think are important to it, but it's not a very comprehensive answer. So I would say stability and point and release are the two biggest factors scalability a very close third yeah wait
1: wait i think there might be one more though what support availability of support yes and, and like absolutely. professional support not like ubuntu yeah, forums from
0: the project yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah from the project itself that's a great point that is a really great point that's good you mentioned that that's also super important for some people support contracts not everybody well for the Enterprise, I would absolutely say yes. Because you need that for
1: SLA. I have Red Hat licensing. I have access to their portal and whatever. Mm. Very seldom do
0: I use it. But the point is, you use it, and it is available to you. It's like insurance. Eh, I guess so. You hope that you never have yeah. to use it, but it is a very good thing sure. to have in case you sure. do need it. And yeah, granted, sometimes I, I know the horror stories behind, you know, RHEL or Red Hat support and all that. They're maybe not the best, but they're, there's a reason you're coming to them. And there's a difference. They have direct access, direct access to the operating systems engineers. You don't. Right. So that that is something to think about. So that alone is a, a good selling point, I think, of the contracted support option. But the stability. I, I mean, I hope we don't even need to go into why that's a thing. You know, like that's necessary. That mm. you don't want. You don't want to run your enterprise on don't me. You don't want to run your enterprise on boxes that are going down all the time. Because fucking yeah. there's a there's a seg because Glibc segfaulting or some shit. Why wow. You know.
1: Yeah, but I mean, there are enterprise deployments of Gen two
0: now. Yeah, but I, that's that's. I different. have to imagine that has been tailored. Yeah, I was gonna say I have to imagine they're not using the
1: unstable branch.
0: Absolutely not, and I can guarantee they are pre packaging and using pre-built binaries that are well tested for sure. Large scale I mean, they're still
1: building locally
0: for their hardware, but. Not necessarily. I mean, you can build it generically enough or you're buying all guaranteed the same hardware. You know, like you don't. Yeah. And even even then, if you optimize code to run on a certain hardware, my point is (laughs) you can also like cross compile. My point is they are testing it. They are building it themselves and they likely have an entire department to handle. Right. But like stability is definitely a key thing. The what was the other thing? Oh, point release. Specifically, RainDev asked why point release is important and why rolling release maybe would not be the best for an enterprise model. That is because really I would say for just one simple reason. Well, maybe two. The first is it makes it a hell of a lot easier to version pin. So you know at ad- automatically like you know what bugs, what vulnerabilities there are for your fleet, for your entire fleet and such all at a glance. You don't need to index any yeah. sort of okay, this box here is vulnerable to this bug, but this one is not. You know, you don't need to keep track of that if they're all in the same software versions. And point release systems make it much easier to pin versions. So you basically just never upgrade until the next release upgrade, which typically would be a distro release. So that does have a big benefit. And more so, the original thought I had to it is stuff tends to break when it's rolling release. And I don't mean, that's not a fault of the distro. That's more so, like, you can't run updates all the time in an enterprise environment. Plus, there's just so many
1: more moving pieces. Well,
0: to an extent, I mean, the thing is, with with Arch especially, like, the
1: recommendation when you're reading through the documentation is always update your whole system at one time. But, but, you know, like, if you have a critical kernel vulnerability, you might update the kernel, Mm -hmm. but literally nothing else. Because you don't mm-hmm. want to break other applications, or you don't have, you know, appropriate time to test in this case, or whatever. And with Arch, mm-hmm. you can do that, but it doesn't make it a great idea.
0: I will say, Arch by itself is actually pretty stable, but a, a good way but to break it's not it, like it is to try and do partial Well, upgrades. and it has yeah. broken. I mean... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah not exactly. Right. There, not like Gentoo there broken, are... <laughs> but pretty broken, <laughs> right. yeah. There have been cases where man- manual intervention for a certain upgrade of a specific software is required. And with things like rolling release such as Arch and Gentoo, the longer you wait to update, the more likely it is that you'll run into an un- unupgradable system. Meaning, there's, you know, for instance, package A depends on library B. And you finally decide, okay, let's update package A. Well, that means we need to also upgrade library B. Okay, all's well and good. This would ha- also happen on, you know, pinned releases and, roll- and point releases and things like that. But, There's also a problem. Library B also requires Library A to be of a certain version for the next version up. So you run into a circular dependency here, and you'll run into at least five of those if you don't update Arch over, like, six months or something. Right, And they're immensely difficult to handle and very dangerous to fix. Yeah, yeah. and... I mean, for me
1: personally, the benefit to Mm -hmm. using Arch on my workstation, my laptop, whatever, my personal machines, and even, like, my VPSs run Arch, and I'm Mm -hmm. fine with that. But Mm -hmm. I also, at this point, have been doing it for a while, and I accept those risks, if you will. Right. But, you know, I will say that using a distro like Gentoo or Arch, and I've said it before on the show, using Gentoo is the reason I learned so much about Linux in such a short time. Mm -hmm. and. You know, Mm -hmm. there's part of me that misses using Gentoo just because it broke more than Arch and I had to learn shit to fix it. Yeah. So, you know, obviously in an enterprise environment, in a, you know, a production environment, it's really important that stability, especially when money is on the line or people's lives are on the line or Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be, stability is obviously of the utmost importance. But I don't think we should discount running something like Arch or Gentoo on a, even in a VM and maintaining it on a trial basis
0: or something like that. No, in your VM lab or even as your client machine, that's fine. You know, as long as you have an alternative in case the, something breaks and you, you need to shell into a production system or something. But for production itself, and I don't know. I, unless you have a really good reason for doing it, such as you're running something that is very sensitive to optimizations. Unless you're doing that, there's a 99.9% chance you are not. You know, there's no real reason to go through that sort of self-abuse. Well... You know, it, it's just... The production environment is not a place well, to learn. Well, Right. <laughs> it's a place to do. Right. Yeah. Okay.
2: So when I worked at Cordial, I actually ran the testing version. Or I had the texting repo enabled for Arch, and mm-hmm. I didn't have any problems. I mean... That's a... Probably pres- got lucky I, I more than a admit, few times, but, you know...
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll admit, I'm not... I don't run testing for I Arch don't either anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It did break, but uh, even like then... Shutter
2: it broke Shutter for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I fixed it. I was just like, whatever, I don't care.
0: <laughs> but even then, like stuff. Ten Arch is pretty fast moving. Usually, yeah. stuff is only a testing for like a week tops, and right. then just moved to stable once it's been tested. But you know, whatever. Where it was a I don't rolling know. Release. No, right. No, I it, mean, yeah, you've hit the points. Yeah. Well, there's one smaller point I do need the to little, also make. The Deloitte points. The the Deloitte is what needs to be considered specific to your. Org, and I briefly touched upon that with the whole Gentoo thing and high sensitivity to optimization. But I mean, there's also other things like Debian for Debian versus CentOS, which is like Debian, CentOS, and SUSE are like the three main distros you're ever going to see in enterprise and when i say centos you know i also mean like red hat And when i say SUSE, i mean both Ooh, enterprise but, and but community that is a good point though well, what's
1: that I, I mean i do think that you have to factor in money mm-hmm. if you can't afford red hat but you're comfortable using you know well a you're probably not distro. an
0: enterprise you're probably not an enterprise if you're using centos instead of red hat yeah but, but i mean even but you could know. also be a country like based on open source principles or something well, not I'm just not that gonna...
1: but i mean what if you're a small business and you're trying to run a file server for your office or something of you know 10 people well, i understand the, you'd still the want point... <laughs> no, no 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 the
0: whole point of this discussion is enterprise distro yeah
1: but i think that an enterprise distro is what someone looks for when they're looking for something stable that has to stay running it doesn't oh, mean so, you have so to you have mean... 500 machines to use it
0: yeah you mean like smbs are well no i mean enterprise literally means it's, it's running on an enterprise yeah. but we're talking yeah. about
1: an enterprise distro an enterprise level distro
0: Yes. That is not so, the same
1: as running in enterprise. So,
0: yeah, would, that's, would, that's what defines it as an enterprise distro. <laughs> that means it's enterprise level. Enterprise level does not mean you have to be an enterprise, enterprise to
1: use or need it.
0: Okay, so you're saying, so that I'm saying perhaps a small, medium business does not need to use an enterprise distro. Right. So, if so, CentOS would suffice, they can use that instead of instead getting Red Hat. Correct. Licenses. Just for a licensing
1: okay. perspective, I think that's valid. Got it.
0: Yeah, no, that is that is valid. Or I was may. confused because that, that we've, you know, that's not really what brought us to this particular topic. Oh, that's what brought me. But I was going <laughs> to bat yeah, for CentOS. Yeah. Okay. okay, fair enough. But no, yeah, that's a valid point. But more to the point, I would say like between like Debian versus CentOS slash Rel versus Sles <laughs> slash Sles. Slash... Slush. Yeah, that's what it's
1: Schless called. Was. Let's just slap up to the slush store. No, no, no. It's called slush. I know Sousa it is. Linux it's just a weird name, Server. right?
0: It's stupid. I hate it. But it's it's what it's called. and It's what it is. Versus uh, whatever they're, is there fucking community version still called openSUSE. Yeah. Okay. Versus that. You know, like we're talking about base systems, not necessarily the distinction between the licensing of those base systems. But my point is, choosing which one would be valid. I would say to find you need to find staff to run these things. So it's gonna be dependent on your country. For instance, SUSE slash SLES slash whatever, whatever the fuck you want to call it, is much more popular in Germany than it is in the US. Well So if you're a company that runs in Germany or is headquartered in Germany or what have you, I would probably go with SLES. Now OpenSUSE does
2: have two different versions. They have Lee, yeah, which yeah, is the, which is the you know, point release system, and then they
1: have Tumbleweed, which is a which is rolling the rolling release. Yeah. Which uh, they oh, are I didn't one even of the, know that. Yeah, I mean, Is, yeah, it, that's is actually, it still meant for enterprise use?
0: I don't think... I don't think there's a Tumbleweed SLES. I'm sure someone will correct me if oh, I'm wrong. Oh, there's an OpenSUSE Tumbleweed, there is, though. There, there is, is. is an OpenSUSE Tumbleweed, and I think there is a Sled Tumbleweed. I am absolutely... For the desktop. What is Sled? Suse Linux Enterprise Desktop. I got it, okay. But that's not... Yeah, yeah we don't really server. have
1: Red Hat server versus desktop anymore, I don't think. In 7. I don't think so, no. I, I don't think they split it. Oh, that is awesome, though, because... I mean, I probably wouldn't use it, but I'd be interested in testing it in a VM or something because I just didn't Mm -hmm. know it existed. I'm really interested in general in rolling release distros. And, you know, I think Arch is a great distro, but if something came along that genuinely challenged it, I would give it a shot. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember Mm a bit of a tangent, but back in the day I was using and packaging for Foresight Linux. Foresight. yeah, Yeah. Rip. Because it was just so much less hassle than fucking Gentoo. Because it was binary uh, 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 distribution. Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. That's right. It, it was binary rolling release. Yeah. It did not last uh, too long, though. A couple of years. A couple of years. Yeah. So, yeah, to close that out, I think it's important to consider the culture that you're implementing your enterprise in. Yeah. You know, the US, it's, I would say, mostly, at least on the East Coast, it's mostly Red Hat based. I don't know how it is on the West Coast. Probably Debian based, if I had to venture a guess. Or, yeah, Debian based, so Ubuntu included, Ubuntu Enterprise. So I you know maybe get an idea and, and get a heartbeat of like what the surrounding region is using and then cuz that's what you want to go that's how you attract the quote unquote talent for your operations team you know you don't want to bring in some guy from the opposite coast or from another country just to fucking admin your boxes you know so so
2: since I use yeah. I use slash every day
0: mhm I mean, that is, that is true, by the way. I, you are in the minority on the East Coast with that, and I'm, I'm confused, interested. In you're also that definitely well, the minority amongst the three of us. Right. Right. I
2: mean, we are exploring other options, I think. Mm-hmm. I can't really say
0: too much, but... Right. Understandable. I
2: mean, SLES is still... I still use RPM commands for everything, for, you know, installation. I mean, it's still...
0: What's the, uh, Zipper? Yeah, Zipper is the YUM equivalent. Yeah,
2: yeah, Zipper is the YUM equivalent. I mean, just zipper in Mm -hmm. a package or whatever. I I mean, you're not really like, it's not like some weird obscure OS. It still uses a lot of the same commands that you, you know, you're used to seeing on a CentOS or... Yeah, it
0: is still Linux. Fedora or whatever.
2: Yeah, we don't use SystemD. So, I mean, I'm still using like... You know, inet scripts and things like that. Uh, you know, so you know, as far as as far as some of your comments are, you know, what makes it a, a good distro? You said uh, stability, security patches, fixes, and then Jython said support. And I agree with you 100. percent I mean, having the ability to call someone that works on the distro and say, "Hey, you know, what's up with this?" Mm-hmm. Which we don't do, but we have the, the ability option to do is there, so. Yeah, you know having that ability is fantastic. You know, I mean, generally speaking it's only about some random crazy bug that we can't you know, solve ourselves you know so realistically, I think that one of the biggest things you can have is support and also not just security patches, but patches that fix problems, you know, because stuff pops up Spectre and Malware, uh, Meltdown you know, Mm -hmm. things occur that cause your your server to not be stable in its current state. And for the distro you use to have support in that is fantastic. You know, I really feel like if you're considering Debian or RHEL or SLES or, you know, fucking Windows even, you know, mm. you really just want to make sure that, you know, when you install it, you've got options to fix it if it breaks, you know, mm-hmm. one way or the other, yep. you know. And then as far as considering your org... Yeah, I mean, you don't want to go pick out freaking Rel Server and get a license if you're, you know, a five site or five user site, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. OpenSUSE is probably okay for you, or Syntox is probably okay for you.
3: Mm-hmm. You know.
2: So realistically, I think you know analyzing your cost base because you are going to spend some money on support or you know licensing or what have you. Analyzing your cost. Ownership and areas is the most important thing to do, you know, but I really feel like having used both Arch and using Slash on a day-to-day basis is, there's a big difference. I mean, mm-hmm. there was always a chance that if I updated the wrong time and I didn't pay attention to the patch notes that I could completely bork my system,
1: you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Arch in particular does a good job with their security announce list telling you when there's manual intervention. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which Gentoo did not necessarily. Yeah. Uh, it was more so like all of a sudden you saw all these forum posts or the the IRC channel was going nuts because you had well, to manually force remove e2fs progs and then reinstall no, it.
0: There was emerge had the news announcement thing. Emerge. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot and, about and that. that. Was, I never yeah. read that shit. <laughs> well that's no probably. wonder i learned but that so was much. it was weird that it was in line with the package manager and not centrally yeah, announced it with, sent with you RSS like system mail
1: about weird shit
0: no not system mail i mean there was oh you have you know this release includes some news items i forget the, i forget the command to read them but you know i think it was just e-select news or something yeah and you know you could you, you would have to then run a separate command and run it in line in the shell and read it in line in the shell rather there wasn't an art an like an rss list or something you'd subscribe to or anything like that it was it, it was silly it was silly we need to move on i think yeah yeah what do you guys yeah. say? okay all right we've been putting this off and jathan in irc in our host channel has been trying to get us to move it off huh. again uh, it off i'm again. just saying this is gonna get long as fuck it's fine it's fine it's, it's not totally a problem. fine that's what we... she said <laughs> all right Anyways. also
1: i'm really drunk
0: yeah i hadn't really? noticed yeah really so this is the rant that we've been promising you for probably two or three episodes now this is the independent package manager rant yeah fuck um now if you're not if you're not familiar with what we but mean not by all the time if you're not familiar with what we mean by independent package manager let me tell you your system has a, <laughs> its own integrated package manager such as yum or, unless or, you're using uh, lfs F. Or apt or app get. Don't make assumptions. Or Pac Man. You need to calm down, sir. You're or Pac Man, whatever. Host. Nobody is using LFS except for education purposes. Calm down. Now, this, I would say every distro's package manager has a way of installing, for instance, Python modules, right? Yeah. Right. Jaython, can you think of a, a distro package manager that doesn't include some mechanism of installing and updating like python modules for instance
1: i can't think of one that doesn't have it but there are some that mm-hmm. have more than others sure you know sure. like I, I'll, I'll grant that yeah i can definitely say arch has more python modules than centos does even in apple absolutely yeah
0: yeah even in iOS and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah it definitely does outnumber it
1: and it also depends on you know if you're using python 2 or 3 and what your mm-hmm. distro preferences and shit like that
0: And if you, you know, use the AUR or not, that's going to change a lot. Yeah, that's going to change a lot. Point point being, some distros are better with development modules, development language modules than others. Gentoo also has a a large number of, of these modules that you can install. The problem is the developer mindset, as I've taken to calling it, is to use the package manager specific to the language to install a module if it isn't used or isn't installed i have a big problem with this i think all all of us do okay my my main reasons no 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 my main reasons are this one most of the time for the most common packages it's already in the fucking distro package package manager it's already in the distros install it that way let it be updated with the rest of the system because nobody's gonna fucking pip update you know so let it let it be included in the system updates number two so many people fucking do shit like pseudo pip install package no wrong that'll get mixed in yeah with that the gets into your packages. fucking
1: system site packages which is a
0: goddamn awful idea and it's fucking impossible to find out which the system installed versus which you installed with pip whatever if you have to use a language specific package manager use the fucking localized home dir option which in, not in all PIP, of them
1: even necessarily have which is ridiculous but yeah like whatever Okay, yeah, NPM is really fucking bad about relocating shit. Yep. Not that you can't do it, but it's not as easy as Pip, for example. Was
0: <laughs> it NPM that fucking used oh, yeah. the permissions? Yeah, was the yeah, baddie?
1: on an entire fucking, well, they did it at Etsy, like broke Etsy.
0: Oh, I thought it was Slash. I thought it was a root level. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it was in Etsy, but like, okay. you know, what but, do you do with that SS tab? Why is a fucking package manager for a language doing that at all? if the system package manager sure of course it's going to touch etsy but a fucking package manager not bundled by the distribution why is that touching etsy okay at wait all? a second god damn. i mean <laughs> this is
1: hard for me this is going to turn into a fucking nine hour long conversation because no it's not yes it if is we, if we need to cut Fuck it short you. i will cut you okay short. because here's the thing is i don't even think at this point with python mm-hmm. that home directory like using the user flag so For those who don't know, don't use Python, don't use pip, whatever. First of all, you should. But second of all, don't fucking laugh at me. Second of all, (laughs) sorry. whatever, now I'm making up shit that doesn't make sense. Go, just go. I'm going. So you can do pip install dash dash user, and that installs Mm -hmm. things basically in your home directory. So it's like home slash dot local, right? Yeah. And I think that's a viable option. But in this day and age where we have virtual environments, I don't even think you should be using the fucking dash dash user flag. I think that if you're testing software mm. or you're installing custom software for a given project or anything like that, you should be using a virtual environment so that you know you're not modifying your system Python experience in any way. And that sounds really fucking pretentious and shitty, but here's <laughs> the thing. No, 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 no. Fuck you. Here's the thing. Sorry, keep going. I a huge part of my job, and we have talked about it, I talked about it a million times on this fucking show, a huge mm. part of my job is managing software for researchers. And yeah. so... My researchers, they don't give a fuck how things are installed. They just want it to work. Yeah. So if they can pip install dash dash user something, that's fine, and it works for them, and they're happy. But here's the thing, is when it comes time to publish their research, they've pip Mm. installed something in their home directory. They don't remember. They can't find it, whatever the case may be, or they may have upgraded it halfway through their work, and now they're getting different results or something. At least with a fucking virtual environment, you know— Every time you have updates, you could create a new virtual environment, and it's not going to take up so much fucking space that you can't manage it. Like, yeah. you have you, ways and for and handling you can this, the, the, and
0: do pip freeze or whatever.
1: Yeah, pip freeze will just the, output a list of current packages yeah, and yeah. and their versions.
0: But but even more fucking
1: irritating to me is people mm. who fucking install like Python frameworks and web apps fucking, and they install things at the system level to run them. For fuck's sake, for every fucking web application you have that's using Python, it should have its own fucking virtual environment. That's just no. fucking Yes, it should. No, Fuck no, no, no. you.
0: No, hear me out, hear me. No, <laughs> no, no, you're wrong. No, me... You're already no, stop. wrong. Stop. You're Listen. already wrong. Listen.
1: I'm listening, I can hear you, but you're wrong. Okay.
0: You should install it system level if it's available in the package manager. Full stop. No full stop. Nope. Yes. Full no. stop. No. Full stop. No. Because that isn't that versioning is managed by a central authority. It's down to one command that you can use to update your but entire it, system. Yeah. It's included in the security updates of you. your OS. Otherwise, you're wow. going to be literally watching for every package that you install you have to subscribe to all of their mailing lists well, that's yeah why pip a upgrade update.
1: exists see this is why i knew this would be no. a fucking nine hour conversation no. because you're no, no, fucking no. wrong dude no i guarantee PIP upgrade oh pip God.
0: upgrade doesn't have an option for only update security updates i understand only install updates your but, operating system you know, does and the package operating for those pytho- whatever Pac-Man your doesn't. python packaging <laughs> manager has Pac-Man no doesn't. concept of that what pac-man doesn't right well pac-man doesn't but i don't know why you'd be arch by why you'd be using arch for an for a, a production and anyways we do okay but we're crazy
1: okay so no no fuck you though because you're wrong first of all how am i wrong what because did i say that was wrong every web application uh-huh. should be hosted from its own fucking directory and not from fucking opt by the way it should be well, well, i agree yeah.
0: with that it should be a home door or or or, sl- or, or, serve, or
1: even user share engine fuck itself no, in some, some fucking wonky NGX. world I don't, but no i don't think it should be no i don't think so either NGX. but some people do that but anyway but that, this is why it's still better it than is, opt. Yeah. but here's the thing also better yeah enough. we have fhs for reason just saying yes but here's the fucking thing every hmm. fucking python instance whether you're using G Unicorn or uwsgi or whatever should have its own fucking virtual environment because at any point in time it's completely isolated from
0: your system, so it should be isolated no, no, no. anyways. No, because it should be fucking... installed as a non-root user no. if you have to install no. something that isn't in this in the distros no, package manager. No, you should not be you mixing should... the two.
1: Why not? Because okay, let's say I have a uh, server X, uh-huh. and I'm running three fucking Python web apps from it. Yes. You know, Opt Site 1, Opt Site 2. No, fuck. Oh, my God. I can't believe I said that even. Oh, my God. This is drunk j Oh, my this God. This has no, been drunk. I'm don't waiting. Don't, don't put your web stuff in Opt. Fuck j <laughs> I'm waiting. Go on. You have on. three sites, though. They're all running Python shit. Mm-hmm. They all use, let's just say, Flask. Okay. There's an update to flask Flask.
0: okay and you're Mm -hmm.
1: using the system flask so you have to update all three if you have Mm -hmm. a fucking virtual environment let's say two of them the updates are non-breaking but one of them the updates are breaking you don't have to update all three at one time it's the fucking proper way to do it i get no
0: you're wrong disagree. though. I this guarantee you. This is what version pinning is for. But you no, because instead you're now because no, no, no. you should At be this updating. Point, all right, Python. No, why no. don't you just fucking no. run a separate VM for each web app, app then?
1: Because maybe you don't have the resources for that or whatever. That's oh, not God what God. makes you think I... you have the
0: resources to run fucking separate virtual M's. That doesn't use more resources. You have a Docker dude. cluster. It, it uses more disk resources, J Barely. Yeah, Barely. Because yeah, because you're it's... duplicating literally every single module code. No, you're not. You are okay. Whatever. Anyway, every shared module no, that could not, be shared by other that. instances. No, not. If you can't afford an extra because they're static data sources, they should not be changed by the user. If you so you're, why are you duplicating them? If you can't handle an extra hundred meg, further,
1: you need to pay for an upgrade plug in a fucking usb device
0: i could make the same <laughs> argument for why you why you're coding so shittily that an update breaks your shit
1: no dude that
0: happens <laughs> there is shit did that... you not just listen to what i said i heard the you. argument you made for people <laughs> complaining about not having an extra couple megs is the same argument i can make for writing shitty code i absolutely fucking same argue. exact one but
1: sometimes you write code per best standards in version 0.12 and then 0.13 comes along and breaks shit it doesn't that. don't even...
0: upgrade to 0.13 but for maybe, anything. It's maybe, not that hard. But maybe, that's what
1: version pinning sh- is for. No, but maybe two of your apps can leverage that and the third one fucking can't.
0: Why aren't they running on a separate host then? Because they don't need if to. They're, if your code is that separately different, why aren't they running because on different hosts? They don't need to. That's a stupid answer. No, it isn't. That's, that's really I not a guarantee. Okay, I'm asking. Consolidate
1: wherever possible. No, no, no. Fuck you. I'm asking everybody who's listening, do you think that a Python web application should have its own virtual environment?
0: Well, if they're devs, they're going to say, yeah, because they're fucking idiots. Devs are stupid. Mm. No. Sorry, devs. It's true. I mean, yes, devs are stupid most of the time, but as an administrator, I would rather
1: know that every fucking project has its own dedicated virtual environment so that if there's a problem or I have to update something or I have to downgrade something, I'm not impacting shit outside the scope of that
0: project, period. Why would it be impacted if you can't upgrade it for three projects? What have Maybe been, it's a security release. If Project A, you have Projects A through C. If Project A cannot have its package upgraded for break, breaking reasons, why is not upgrading the system module harmful to Projects B and C? Maybe it's a security release. Then why are you fucking using it for Project A? Why aren't you fixing Project A
1: if it's a security release? You have to fix Project A, but it doesn't mean you can fix Project A as fast as you could update B and
0: C. Then don't fucking use Project B and C on the same host. No, I think that's a goddamn <laughs> terrible fucking argument,
1: dude. No, it's not. No, it's yes, it not. is. I don't think it is. Yes, it is. Oh, my God. Here's the thing. I think, in general... Mm-hmm. Okay, I also want to talk about R before this is through, just so we're clear. Oh, R- fucking R, yeah. Yeah, fucking R. R- you gonna be ranting about R today. But Your no, mom dude, I guarantee, I'm Come looking on, this up. I guarantee there's somewhere that specifies, should Python web applications have their own virtual environment?
0: Oh, you'll find plenty of opinions. Okay, saying, but, but so. why
1: is it then that every fucking book or professional piece that you read that's teaching you about Flask or Django or fucking Pyramid or any of those frameworks all fucking tell you to have a virtual environment
0: because it's written by developers not admins
1: no that's fucking bullshit that is absolutely true okay so go ahead and read some deployment documentation from linode or DigitalOcean about python shit Uh uh-huh they fucking tell you to set up a virtual environment do they dude some of them
0: don't even use uwsgi from the package manager they use a pip install of it which i wasn't aware that Hosting documentation was equivalent to upstream documentation or even best practices documentation.
1: Okay, then let's just go to if the. If you could show no, me. Fuck look, look, look no, no, no. If you to show, me an RFC, show you right now.
0: RFC or ISO spec that no, says. Yes. No, no, no. Yes, Here you go. No, yes nope. because these are recognized as canonical sources
1: no, of standards. Here's what I'm going to send you. I'm, I'm sending it right now in IRC. I'll put it in the
0: show notes. Send here's the right Flask
1: now. documentation on their official website.
0: Yep. Okay.
1: Tell me what. One of the first fucking things is under installation.
0: Oh, you mean the thing written by developers? Yeah, hold on. Installation. Let's see.
1: So I just want to say that
2: that I really feel like, you know, these random package managers that are outside of the OS are kind of drive me nuts a little bit. Like they have all, their, all these new commands and all these new setups and, you know, you can install to certain things. And like, I guess giving your developers the ability to install stuff via it is fine, but at the same time, I still question the logic behind that,
0: you know? Dude, I think some developers managers are fucking for Satan. Satan. Ex- what? Like, what What do you mean by package? Manager? Distro package manager? No, no, independent. I said independent. Okay. Independent. Okay. independent. All right. I think All
1: they're right. fucking Satan. They're terrible because they enable people to fuck things up without knowing right. they're fucking things up. And right, exactly. And specifically. In my environment, right? My day job. I work oh, I supporting
2: Python. Is that okay? What the I fuck work... did you
1: just do? You know? I work supporting scientific research, which is meant to be reproducible and potentially has implications at publication time. For... Okay. No, no, no. Fuck you. I'm talking. But you realize nope. you're in the
0: minority on that, though, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm arguing on your side right now, you dumbass. I know. I'm just saying you recognize that you're in the minority in that use case and that most people don't need to dis distribute specific versions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: yeah okay i get that okay now you fucking derailed my whole fucking train of thought <laughs> but my point is yeah so these package level. managers that are usable by you know in user space by non-root users are mm-hmm. dangerous for that type of situation where users don't actually know what they're doing they just want their shit to work so they run whatever fucking command they read on stack overflow or god forbid the fucking ubuntu forums don't
0: read that <laughs> oh my shit god.
2: Oh my yeah. God, stop doing that.
0: What advice do they usually give Jason on Stack Overflow? Copy and paste oh verbatim. God.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's what I do.
2: I get on there sometimes to look up, you know, certain code stuff, and I see 20 different responses is the best way to do it. And then one guy's like, well, just do this. And it's like, no, dude, come mm-hmm. on, you know? Like, you're not helping by saying this bullshit, fucking generic response. Give me mm-hmm. a fucking something other than, you know, bullshit. Give me something that I can actually work with. You know? I personally.
0: Anyways, Jason. My point is, going back to the virtual end thing, it's stupid. And I'm going to tell you why. It's stupid because you have a mechanism for having those packages available for every software running on the system. And you have it in a unified location, and you have it in a controlled manner. You immediately know all of the versions of that software on your system. With Gen 2, you even have some things like slotting, where you can have multiple versions of the same module available system-wide.
1: Which is a better
0: option. It is a better option, and I will absolutely grant that. there by the way...
1: If anybody no. from Archland is listening, please make that a thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think there's sort of a way to do it on, on Archland. Yeah, it's wonky. It's hacky. It's, it's real very janky. hacky. Yeah, it's I, real hacky. I, to, yes.
2: to get back to, you know, to get back to kind of the point a little bit, I really feel like, as has been said, that it's an easy, and I put that in quotes, an easy way to give your developers access to things that they can't normally install because I'm not giving a developer admin rights in their, on their system. I don't care what they say. Right. At the same time, again, like Jayton said, I mean, it's literally, you might as well give it to them if you're going to give this to them, because it's, you know, it's hell. It's going to screw the system up. They're going to pip install some bullshit package they don't need, and they're like, I need this package, and you're like, hold the fuck on here, you know? Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: What the fuck are you doing here? You have no idea what you're doing. You're going to randomly install some fucking stupid package, some bobo fucking package, and... You know, your system's going to be host, and I have to come in behind you now and fix your fucking shit. And I don't want to do that, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's the issue I take with virtual and f- specifically. Look, don't get me wrong. It's fantastic for development. It's great for it's, development. It's really great for deployment, too, if you're not. No, friend. it's not. Yes, it it's, is. It sucks for deployment. You're goddamn wrong. Because well, there's no okay, way to centrally me, manage it. Hold on. Hold on. You can't use bullshit. your change management. You can't yes, use you your... Yes, you absolutely can. How, j What do you mean how? How? You how do I fucking... upgrade user X's virtual end for project Y using change management? Well, I'm sorry that you use
1: Ansible and it's inflexible, but I use Puppet and I can manage individual fucking virtual environments. How? With the fucking virtual environment Puppet module. What are you asking? <laughs>
0: Oh my you can specify the name yes. of the project what if you don't know the name of the project thought? you have a path to a virtual environment what if it's not in the usual place of virtual ams then why would i be managing it why are you managing it in the first fucking place <laughs> because i manage web apps what are you saying
1: so
2: we because do. you
0: should be managing it on a system level like every fucking other system software of your system what happens if you install a daemon for instance that is not in the package manager you package it yourself because that's good practices and it lets you centrally manage it same fucking thing for Dude,
1: package I modules. just told you that I centrally manage virtual environments using puppet I understand that
0: but it's wrong what
1: that's...
0: <laughs> <laughs> You just lost, dude. (laughs) No, no, I didn't. I'm making a super strong case here, But I don't give a fuck. You should use the system. I'm moving on. You should use the system mechanisms and the systems.
1: You should. You should for most things. For everything. No, you shouldn't for web app deployments. You absolutely should. Nah, fuck you. Anyway. (laughs) No, 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 no. Web app is data. You know why you should? It is data. You know why? It's not supporting libraries. Tell me, when you get a Python... Project, or mm-hmm. whatever, and it comes with a requirements.txt. Oh, you mean, like, C-source?
0: No, I mean a requirements.txt. Yeah, I mean, like, any project that has to document its fucking re- requirements, you fucking knobhead. Sure, whatever. Listen, C-projects, it doesn't matter. Everything lists it, and, okay, you need to have these libraries so, installed. So, it, how... Python and other of this bullshit system of, of user-installed packages... No, listen, of user-installed package culture... These are the only ones who say, oh, you can automatically install it with this. No, I don't want to. I want to install on the system level. Just give me a list of fucking libraries your project requires. It's fine That's if you're all wrong, I dude. want. I'm not wrong on that. You're this. wrong. I'm absolutely so, not wrong. This tell is me, the correct way to approach it from me. an enterprise level. What? I'm using Arch. I have
1: the AUR enabled with some AUR helper, right? Mm-hmm. I have a Python project oh. with a requirements.txt. How do I install all that shit with Pac-Man or my well, AUR what?
0: helper? what modules do you need because there everything in the requirements.txt there.
1: there's 40 things in there it's a big
0: project you could parse requirements.txt uh-huh or i could just make a virtual environment
1: and type pip install -r
0: requirements.txt
1: <laughs> and it's all good to go
0: and now you're running in a custom environment variable system you're running in yeah a fuck me for specific... having a virtual
1: environment that isolates my fucking project from the rest of my system
0: why would you need to
1: do that? Just make a fucking different user. No. A different yeah, user dude. doesn't solve the problem unless you pip it install does.
0: dash dash user. Well, you can do that. That's but I'm That's the saying same you fucking should, no. argument. Here's how you should be doing it, j I'll tell yeah, you let's you hear should be doing it. Yeah, let's hear your grand idea. And this also gives, also this. gives I you security. Sorry, this is great. I'm loving this. I gives you I this is going to take fucking forever. This gives you fucking security benefits. Listen the <laughs> fuck up. It does not because your it whole does. fucking You argument, haven't even fucking heard why. Your whole
1: fucking argument is kibosh because pac does not even support security only updates, you fuck. Why are you using Arch
0: for a fucking project where you need to worry about because this in the first place? I'm a goddamn masochist. <laughs> okay, assuming we're using something like Centos. No, fuck you, which is, I'm not assuming I, that. Would you fucking listen? No, because oh, some assuming people use Gentoo <laughs> in Assuming you're using something like Centos or Rel, which you should be using nah, in a production you. environment. Fuck you. No. Oh, my God. Uh, you need to listen to this because this is going to save your ass. And if, if you get your shit compromised, I'm going to laugh at your ass forever about this. And I will post it everywhere on every social media account we have. So you need to listen. All one of them. <laughs> Which no, cross post to the other one. We have, we have Twitter and Facebook, but I mean, I can. I'm sure I can have ways way of to getting it. Way to make a out fucking there. statement, dude. I have ways You're of getting it. You're doing it, out it there. now. I have ways of getting it. Would you fucking listen? I'm listening. So you have, in this case, a system installed set of modules. This is the ideal way to do it. This is then shared across the entire system. This also lets you centrally control those versions and lets you manage security updates for those. Great. (laughs) Moving on, you would run your separate web apps and separate users and separate home DIRs. Whether the home DIR is set to serve HTTP, whatever, that's how you would do that. Nothing like just being a huge pain in the fucking nutsack. Oh, you mean the right way? No. The fucking the right way, way, way that a segregates privileges? For a web no, this segregates fucking privileges. This no, way, if Project you know... A gets compromised, it won't affect Project B, it won't affect Project C, because apparently your fucking Project A needs an insecure version of, mo- of a module. You know what else is great? What? You could just run Nginx in a fucking CH root. Why would you? And then you don't
1: even need to fucking worry about... Your shitty fucking example, because everything can just run with two users, NGINX and UWSGI or Gunicorn. Look at that. You, but fucking NGINX already wow.
0: runs as a non-root user. Why would you do this? Are, it's, easier esca- it's easier to escape It's easier to a CH root than get a privilege escalation for a normal non-root user. So depends why, why on why the vulnerability at hand,
1: doesn't it? No. Yes, no, it it's does.
0: No, CH root's pretty broken. So why would you do this? I don't know. Why is there official documentation for running NGINX in a CH root? Because people are still on shit like Solaris that doesn't really have the best track record. Run for it me, in so. a fucking container, then. Well, fuck containers. Which is... I think we all agree fuck containers. Slight, uh, I'd rather run a container than do it your way. Well, <laughs> I think you're just saying that out of spite. I'm not. You know Honest to fucking point. God, I think what you're saying is absolutely batshit crazy. It's
1: not. You're, you're fucking have the code, wrong,
0: dude. You have the code segregated into areas that cannot access each other. Right, exactly. You mind? do that with virtual environments. No. Yes, you fucking do. Look, if someone can compromise project A, they now have shell access. How right. easy is it for them to fucking get to project B and project C? Right. How does that change? How it? easy, Jathan? How does that change? How it? fucking easy?
2: Pretty fucking easy, dude. Thank no. you.
0: No, how is it?
2: No, there's no no. It's pretty They're fucking easy. They're all the dude.
0: same permission ownership. Uh huh. Right. So if project A gets compromised, they get shell. They now have access to project B and project C. Your entire web app system is compromised. Okay. This is completely separate fucking debate. No, it isn't. This
1: is a good example of why Virtual Env fucking you can, sucks. No, it, doesn't, it is not for production. You can use home directories and still use virtual env and all of a sudden you have the best of both worlds, you fuck. Why would you do
0: both? at that point you're just being redundant
1: no you're not you're solving the problem that you're indicating exists with my fucking proposed solution no
0: if project a needs a version of a module and project b and project c are fine with a system module you can just pip install user for project a done Uh uh-uh that is fucking fragmented and stupid
1: that's just nuts. because you have shitty config management and you can't manage virtual environments with <laughs> Excuse yours. Excuse you. <laughs> I, I know it's shit. Don't worry. Because you use Ansible and it's garbage, but.
0: All right. Well, let me know when, when all your, your web app projects get compromised. That's the point being. That's never going to happen. Dude. Because dude, first of all, I do only. How run often does this shit actually happen in the real world? Very seldom. It happens. Okay. We. It would not happen if they didn't use a virtual env. If they right, segregated let, well, by user. Let's
1: step back. Okay.
0: Okay. Yes.
1: Step back. Yeah, let's step back. Step back. When's step the last back. time you heard of a WordPress site getting compromised? All the time. Yeah, probably like all today, the fuck like an up. hour ago. Pro- probably five minutes. Yeah, ago. Probably. Yeah, probably. Moving on. When's the last time you heard about a fucking pyramid-based or Django-based site just getting hacked? Probably about a month ago. Yeah, it doesn't happen all the time.
0: You're just fucking because exaggerating. Because it has a lower to prove your shit no, point. it has a lower proliferation point. Way to make a lot of words. But anyway. It is not as common in the web market. You're speak, still as fucking WordPress. wrong. Even if no, I no, I'm not. First I'm of not. all, I think hosting web apps out of home is stupid as fuck. Second well, of all, it doesn't have to. Uh, when I say home dir, I don't mean slash fucking home. Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> it could be slash serve slash http slash project name. I don't really the give The project a fuck. name is the user. The point
1: is, even if you were going to do that, I still think using virtual environments with just a base fucking Python install. And that's the only fucking thing that should be installed by the package manager is correct. No, I don't agree with that either. Well, you're wrong. It's fine. All I keep right, well. telling you, I'm sorry if your butt hurt that you're wrong, but it's okay. <laughs> I Dude. know. No, no, no. I know no, that you're- No, my butt is not no, hurt. No, 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 I'm, no.
0: I'm angry that you're such an idiot I, about this and what? you don't, and you think security isn't important. No,
1: that's what I said. I never said that.
0: You, I even just you said- You are absolutely saying that unless nope, I even words.
1: just said I could compromise and every fucking web app could run as its own user in its own home directory. That's fine. At which point, the whole point of virtual env is useless. No, it is not. It
0: absolutely is. I never said
1: it was for security reasons.
0: What is the point of it? It's for fucking version control, you dumbass. Then you're not considering the security aspect of it, and that makes it insecure. No, that doesn't mean... What? How?
1: If you have three fucking separate web apps, Mm -hmm. they're all running in isolated places as isolated users, but you're using virtual environments, that doesn't mean you're not thinking about security.
0: No, my point is in that case that your virtual env usage is totally redundant and pointless. No, it isn't. It's the right it way to do it. Absolutely is. No, it is... it's not. Yes, it is. It, it's absolutely it's not. Definitely the right then way to do it. Then why isn't it bundled with stock Python? I don't know why isn't it. I think it depends on it's... your distro. First no, of all, no, 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 no. Yes, yes, it why does. isn't it bundled with stock Python? On CentOS seven, it is. It is absolutely not.
1: Okay, yum install python three four. Let me know if you have pip. I have Python three six installed. Hold on. Okay, that's different, by the way.
0: Sure. Two one one. hold on. But go go ahead. Tell me why it's necessary.
1: No, I'm moving on. This is fucking stupid.
0: <laughs> uh huh. We're
1: beating a dead horse. Yeah. Well, it's already dead.
0: It's because you don't care about security, and I'm mad that you're telling our listeners to do insecure practices.
1: Listen, listeners, if you want to be a better listener, you contact me for setting up your Python web. Oh my God! Don't, don't, do, it. Do, that. don't
0: do it. Don't no, do I it. No, I never said I
1: didn't care about security, and anybody who's fucking listening already knows that. That you don't care about security? No, you idiot. First of all, for what it's worth, at my actual day job, I do run a separate fucking VM for every project. Do you? I realize, though, that that's not feasible for everybody because not everybody even has a fucking fucking VM VM? infrastructure. Payton, don't fuck with me. I'm not fucking with you. I'll drive there. Hey,
0: I just installed Python 3.4 and VirtualM doesn't get installed. Go figure.
1: Do it. Drive here. So it's a separate package?
0: It's an absolutely separate package. What's it called? Well, fuck if I know I don't even think it's in stock repo it like... is yes
1: it is you fuck alright let's see if anything it's probably python3.4 no dash... matches found for
0: virtual oh, no okay. it's called oh. venv
1: in python3 it was called virtualenv in python2 well that's
0: not installed either
1: python 3 Venv. does that work you know Jason for someone who
0: claims to have a no there's what is it venv yeah I've got
1: a strong working knowledge of glory holes
0: well you apparently don't <laughs> have a strong working knowledge of centos 7 because it's not in there either
1: that's because I'm a fucking man and I use gen 2 <laughs>
0: You absolutely don't use Gento.
1: <laughs> so Let me, me ask you here this. Here's the thing, more. everybody, is we're really fucking heated right now, but in like 20 minutes we'll be fine.
0: Well, I'm fine right now. Yeah. I was... I was... No, I'm not fine yet. Well, I'll be fine soon. <laughs> you're you're, you're too. a little bit more emotional than I am, but... Can I, I... talk about R now? Yeah, please. Talk yes, about talk R. about R.
1: Please bitch about R. So, please. Uh, so here's the thing. Another thing at work. I have to maintain often, and I've talked about it before, mm-hmm. and this makes packaging with something like Yum kind of a bitch sometimes. I have to maintain, you know, not just the current version of something, but the last five, because if you publish on something or you're trying to reproduce results, you might have to use an older version than what is current.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Python allows you to do that because you can do, you know, Python setup.py dash dash. I don't even know what the hell the flag is, but you know, you can set a path for where it installs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can have opt numpy Python to 1.11.0. And then I can have Opt, NumPy, Python 3, 1.11.0, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, whatever. Here's the thing. Fucking R doesn't really allow you to do that. So, fuck R. And if you maintain even, like, a personal R library, mm-hmm. like, kind of the equivalent of a pip install dash dash user, mm-hmm. by default, you can do some really hacky shit with environment variables to make separate libraries. But by default, R will not let you install multiple versions of the same package, and specify which you'd like to use. So in my book, R is just a useless fucking language.
0: Yeah, I think the only people that use it are mostly mathematicians. There's a lot of people in bioinformatics, my friend.
2: A lot of people?
0: Well, that's kind of mathematic-related, mathematic, mathematic related, right? It's just mostly used for sequencing? No. There's a lot of graphical tools in R, like visualization
1: tools for oh, graphing ew. and plotting. And also, like, seq 2 is a package that a lot of people use... Mm. It's for, like, differential expression of RNA-seq data, I think. I don't even fucking know. But I know a lot of people use it. There's a whole suite of tools that fall under this sort of— I don't know if it's a company or who the fuck they are, but they're called Bioconductor. Yeah. People use a lot of shit from Bioconductor. And what's worse about Bioconductor— See, Bioconductor doesn't even use CRAN to host their R packages. They use their own fucking bullshit installer. And what's worse about that is the versions of software are tied to versions of R. So you can't get a newer version of DESeq2 without upgrading R itself. And it's, that's fucking terrible. It's
0: almost as if having a localized system of packages is worse than having a centralized system of packages.
1: Well, in this case,
0: what if you could have virtual environments in R, everything
1: would be fine. I don't know But about that. also in Python, because it's a normal fucking language, Python module versions are not tied as tightly to Python versions
0: themselves
1: yeah yeah that's true because that's just like oh let's put pants on our head and run around in circles but so
0: i thought it was just this one distributor of this certain art what was it bio biocon con bioconductor bioconductor are there is there shit the only stuff that is closely tied to R version or is it every no, no. R package? This is like an R thing. Oh my gosh! Like oh, to get the latest version R. of this R package, you have to upgrade your R installation. So and that means conversely, if you update R on your system, then you have to all, upgrade every, every single... package. Yeah, 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 fucking hell.
1: Here's the other thing in Python in particular. I've seen this a lot. Like we have fucking pip, which is supplied <clears throat> by Python. Like using pip mm-hmm. is okay. Included
0: in three six Yeah yeah.
1: But then oh it is. Yeah. How about virtual at least on on Windows. On
0: Art on CentOS on what? Virtual Did end? you figure out if yeah, is it included? It is not. It's not included. I'm pretty sure it is. It's one hundred percent not. Okay, well I'll
1: I'll put it in the show notes when I find it. But when you find out you're wrong. Sure. That, that's well, an errata point. I can be wrong. But here's the thing. Yes within Python we also now have these stupid fucking Python distributions like Anaconda and Bioconda. And it's like, why the fuck do you need all this stupid shit? Like, just use pip. All the packages you need are there. But Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, people think it's easier to use Bioconda. Because Bioconda, for what it's worth, can also install, you know, R packages for you. Because that uh, makes all the fucking sense in the so world. So, wait,
2: wait, you, so you're saying that pip is Python? You're saying that pip is built into
0: Python? Is that what you're saying? As of three six it is. Yeah. It, it's not really built in. Some, you do
1: have to. In, if you're compiling Python, you have to have the. You have to dash, enable dash, it and sure yeah, pip. You have to yeah, enable flatten. it, but it's
0: now distributed. It's not a separate project as of so, 3.6. six. Cor- Correct. But so, in CentOS so and probably some other distros with three six, they package it separately. Yeah. They even build Arch Python actually. twice. In Arch's yeah, Python, yeah, dash, yeah, PIP. they do. Yeah. I guess that's just to avoid confusion with past versions, but I think it's silly that they do that, but, you know, whatever. Well, I think it's so they can upgrade pip separate from the Python distribution. All right, so
2: you guys, because so you guys hate this stuff, which is fine, I hate it too. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. If you
2: had to use one, if, you, if someone sat you down and said, look, we need a package manager for the developers, which one would you use?
1: Fucking yum. Be a man. No, 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 no. Run a container.
2: If you absolutely had to use well, something outside of a distro package manager. Well,
1: I think that's if
2: you're being forced, like your job dependent on you well, doing then that.
0: Wouldn't it matter what they were trying to install? Yeah, it matters on the language they're using, but I, certainly I, I not think fucking that'd be...
1: npm if we get away it. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, fuck maybe, it. Let maybe them break NPM. the whole thing. Who cares anymore? <laughs> no, because I mean, because the, we're the, the ones question that have to is fix it, if part. they're not using their home directories, who cares? You know, they don't care about security.
2: So. I mean, it's just, you know, pick a a language, whatever. Mm -hmm. Absolute, best case scenario, if you had a choice, but you had to use an external package manager, which one would you use?
0: I think, given out of all of them there, I think PIP does do the best job. It's the least bad.
1: (laughs) It's like the least obtrusive.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: And to be fair, Python's structure, in terms of where they put things you install, Mm -hmm. you know, if I knew that I installed NumPy with PIP, and not my package manager, my distro-supplied package manager. Oh,
0: it's easily programmatically findable, yeah.
1: Yeah, I could wipe out, you know, python-base-slash-site-packages-slash-numpy, and I know I've gotten rid of that. No. Mm. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. My actual answer to that question is APM. They can install packages for Atom. They can extend their text editor, and that's it. Atom? Yeah. <laughs> APM, Adam comes with his own fucking package manager. Why
0: does a text editor have its own package manager? Like plugins, (laughs) plugins I can understand. It's gotten out of hand, dude. Well, brackets has plugins, and I get that, but it's like it's built into the editor, and you're like, all right, you manage your plugins within the editor. That makes sense, I guess. But like an entire package manager dependency system for an editor for a text editor?
2: Well, Visual Studio Code is worse, man.
0: You APM
1: install or you go home. (laughs) If you can't get your development done, uh, uh, yeah, I'm really bad at being drunk. If you can't get yeah. your development done without APM, you're fired.
0: Mm-hmm. That's how I work. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's, that's a requirement for employment. Continue well, I'm employment. not giving them
1: fucking pip so they get APM. That's it.
0: <laughs> at least at APM hell. by default installs in your home directory. Yeah, that's true.
1: Well, I think, I think it's, we've just I about actually, run this fucking course. We have. So. We have.
0: I do want to say well, one I'm, closing I'm, remark. Yeah. Pips, I mean, I could fucking go on about this for Jesus a while. I know. Man. I know. I'm very
1: mad. I'm I'm just, bad hold on. I'm also really drunk, hold but I'm very mad. Bit of, I'm holding on. I
0: have some a bit of good news. I think slated for Python 3.7... Pip by default no longer installs to root it. It, it installs to the user oh, That's good. Error, oh, which thank good. God. That's good. Which is somebody good. did a thing. Yeah, somebody, I think we should do the baddie right. now. Yeah, let's do the baddie. Oh
1: wow. Do I have to do it? Yeah, yeah yes, it's you your do. segment. It's I'm your to order segment. Chinese food right now. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Well I can't drive to Taco Bell.
0: How you can't wait like an extra like 10 minutes for the episode. No, they're about out. to
1: close.
0: Well, Oh my uh, god.
1: Okay. So here's the thing. Today we're recording, it's Wednesday, March 28th, 2018. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, on Tuesday, March 27th, 2018, (laughs) Uh don't you laugh at me, bitch. (laughs) Drupal, you know, our favorite CMS, which actually, compared to WordPress, I think I would take Drupal, Mm -hmm. but it's not like my favorite thing in the world, you know?
0: Yeah, in order of preference, it goes WordPress, Joomla, Drupal for me.
1: From least to best? Yes. Okay.
0: Uh, Yeah, I forgot Joomla was a thing. I don't know why people use that. Not many people do. But,
1: yeah. Anyway, so Drupal, about a week ago, released this special notice to people who they know administer a large amount of Drupal sites. That was basically like, hey, we found a really, really bad security vulnerability. We're going to patch it on March 27th within this one and a half hour window.
0: They only sent that to certain people? I thought it was a general announcement. Not actually entirely sure from this article. Okay. I, in any I case, I hope it was a general announcement. I heard about this
1: originally from somebody who works within an organization that uses Drupal a lot, mm. okay. so that's why I knew about this actually. Because I don't follow Drupal because it's fucking useless to <laughs> right. me, right? Like most things in this world, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of reason to be on Earth. Right now. <laughs> okay. I'm going okay. with Elon to Mars. <laughs> All right. But anyway, All right. oh my fucking god! Hurry <laughs> up! <laughs> I'm hurrying up. Shut up! No, you're not. Uh... All right, go go go. go. go.
2: So (laughs) every single fucking time, dude. Oh my
1: god, I haven't gotten drunk since this shit show. So so here's the thing. Uh, So Drupal (laughs) announces this, says, "Hey, we know this is a week out, but we want to give you time for a downtime notice for your users, for your customers, for whoever, because this is a big deal. You need to fix it. Mm -hmm. So you know these people are waiting a week. There's no details released." They can schedule downtimes, but there's not really a plan for actually fixing things because we don't know if this is part of Drupal core or if it's some kind of you know common extension or what the fuck the case may be. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, March twenty-seventh happens, mm-hmm. the window hits, and people are like, Fuck yeah, we're gonna update Drupal. <laughs> and within moments of this patch being released and Drupal announcing it, Drupal's website, which is responsible for disseminating not only the patch itself, but also like information about the patch. Mm -hmm. just starts erroring out and people who have scheduled downtimes a week in advance because drupal told them to no longer can actually update their systems (laughs) now the article that we're going to link to is from the register Mm -hmm. i don't actually know how long the site was down Mm -hmm. you know maybe it was only like two minutes and that's not such a huge deal but in any case i feel like if you're making a huge fucking hype out of something that you fucked up by the way Mm-hmm. you probably should make sure that you have adequate resources to handle the number of people that are going to be downloading this patch that you've hyped up. Or
0: at least make it available through multiple alternate... Sources. Yeah, like throw, ask, it on, ask, throw it on a fucking cedar somewhere. do well, you some fuck a fucking sick,
1: I mean, fucking you're shit, You're a fucking
0: dude. open source
1: project. Ask for some donations right. from a CDN for a day.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. Like, no kidding, but do it. And they're not that hard up for money. They, like... I don't know if yeah. you knew this, but the Barack Obama administration used Drupal for WhiteHouse.gov. So, like, they've they're well. That's well why known. it cost eight
2: million
1: dollars. They have some this good funding
0: available, but yeah. yeah. So, in any
1: case, I will say that it seems like, well, as far as like responsible disclosure goes, I think Drupal did a great job communicating. It's just did they?
0: Yeah. I don't know why I used Barack Obama's full name i should have no, just said the obama administration Is no, no, no i should have just said the barack said thank
2: you obama for thank using you. drupal
0: yeah thanks obama <laughs> in any case i do want to
1: say drupal did a good job communicating this well ahead of time it seems like they did a good, a good job prioritizing people who use drupal more than others or who are maybe higher vulnerability level because of who they are in general whatever mm. but at the same time if you're going to release a patch probably make sure maybe that,
3: make it available <laughs> yeah
1: make sure people can actually get the patch yeah I would have invested especially in the key, uh... if you're encouraging them to schedule down times before it actually happens exactly, yeah, exactly. so <laughs> on that note Drupal you're okay in my book but but you're still getting a baddie yeah <laughs> baddie for days. so yeah, bitches yeah that was great I'm really drunk I'd like to order my Chinese food can we wrap this up
0: yeah this has been System Ministurvia I'm Brad
1: I'm Jonathan and I'm right about Pip <laughs> And I'm Payton.
2: Fuck J-Thon and life. his pep. <laughs>